introduction. As uh, Ben's already said, uh, my, my name is Michael. I've been on the leadership team for goodness, about a year and a half at least, probably a, probably a bit longer than that, probably up to two years now. Um, my job is really to oversee teaching, and the commitment I've made to pursue the leadership team and also to you guys is that I want to have a consistently high level of teaching in every meeting. Really, that's for, for it to be a fertile ground for the Holy Spirit to convict, challenge, and, and equip people. So. That's the whole idea. We're going for a very high-quality event at every time. This is the third one in the series, uh, Made for Him. Uh, we started off with a very impassioned uh, start with Bill Williams about being made in his image. Uh, Richard Whiteman obviously gave a, a, a quick uh, talk as well about how it's much about pursuing him. It's not about the pursuit of happiness. It's not about our own agenda, but it is about going out full guns blazing about uh, chasing, chasing him. Really, what I wanted to talk to you about today was uh, Made for Sonship. This is one that has been on my heart for quite a while, and I've actually spoken on a, a good couple of times already. Um, you know, in my own personal journey, I've really been challenged in my own orphan thinking, my own fear of rejection, um, abandonment issues, and a lot of my independent, selfish behaviors that uh, have been challenged um, the last few years. Um, most people know my testimony already, so I'm not going to actually spend any time going through that. And actually, that's probably the wrong uh, emphasis. It's not on about what we are and what we have done. It's about the future. It's about look, seeking the truth of who God is for us uh, and stepping into that identity. So I really want to just go with that uh, more than anything else. When we talk about the Father's heart, we usually obviously go to the passage of the prodigal son. And I will touch on that very briefly. But I've really been convicted the last week when I've been writing this speech uh, preach even, sorry, is that there's much more to that, actually. We get very familiar, uh, and we get, um, perhaps we read over it, and we, the word just washes over us, but I think sometimes there is a lot more, and I think God's really challenged me in putting fathers, uh, the Father's heart and the issue of sonship within the context of initial creation. It's a key wrapping up within the key message of the gospel, and as we do that, I believe the Holy Spirit will convict those here uh, to, see, uh, to see it, to point out the lies that we've been believing um, and also to really just point out what we've been missing uh, and step in much further in the Holy Spirit. So that's, my, uh, that's the whole uh, agenda. So let's go with, briefly with the story of the prodigal son. We already know that quite well. Effectively, the son disowns his father uh, in the context that it, this was set. This would be uh, somewhere where effectively asking for the money up front would be effectively disowning, as if the father was dead. So that's effectively what happens. He squanders the money uh, and then goes back to the father, not to reclaim his sonship, but to come back as a servant. We all know the gracious father runs to the son, uh, reestablishes the son's identity, reestablishes his access to the resources that the father would have, and also reestablishes the son's identity. Probably worth mentioning that, that running very much in that culture at the time would have been very much frowned upon. So we see the father as someone who is so keen to reestablish that and reestablish the authority of the son that he's willing to go through, smash through all social decorum in order to reestablish that connection. So, uh, as I said, the, the main point of it, I want, really wanted to talk about that, was actually that not just that message, but actually how it is this core element as, uh, as who we are as Christians. It's a core element to who God is, and as we're made in God's image, it's also a core element to, to who we are. I was really meditating on a, a passage of scripture in Ephesians. 
and I think a lot of you would be already be familiar with. I'll just uh, read part of it just for the purposes uh, of this. It's Ephesians 3.14. begins, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now that was a really powerful piece for me. The, con uh, the context of this um, piece, uh, of this bit of scripture, is that Paul is describing the immeasurable size of God's love that surpasses understanding. The way he describes it is, uh, the way I, I look at understanding is the sum of all knowledge that we're gained, that can be gained from living on the earth in the fallen state that we are. The context and the way he describes it is that the family unit is effectively, all family units from Adam onwards are meant to derive and reflect the glory of God. They're effectively a sign, uh, a sign pointing all the way backwards to creation. For me, that's really important because I think a lot of times we are shortchanged, actually, and, and it's not, we do live in a fallen world, and it does follow, therefore, that the way we were brought up and also the society that around us doesn't perfectly reflect God's nature. Um, so I really think it's important just to analyze that, and as we get a clearer understanding of who we are in Jesus, I believe the Holy Spirit will smash through that uh, and point into uh, what we're missing in God's full experience. So, as I said, going back to sonship, there's a key, key aspect there. Um, I think my own belief is we're relational simply because that's the nature of our creator. Before creation, we had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all acting in per with perfect relationship in each other with mutual submission. The Son was sub subjected to the Father's mission, and in fact, Jesus does say, I only do what the Father asks me. The Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus after uh, Christ's own death and resurrection. So within the context of a Godhead, we have family, we have authority, and we also have relationship. So it doesn't really surprise me that we are relational beings simply because of the fact that we have a relational God. Um, so, taking that back, let's unpack that in the, in the context of the Garden of Eden. In the beginning, God expressed himself. He is good. It would be, at that stage, sin hadn't entered the world, so good was an absolute expression. God had to create something good because he was good himself. Uh, so everything he did create adhered to the absolute standards that he had. There wasn't any tarnish or any blemished, uh, and necessarily everything was in accordance with his nature. He also created Adam. Now, the interesting theological question that brings him there is that it says in the Bible in Genesis that it wasn't good for man to be alone. So the question I have uh, is, if Adam at that stage had a perfect relationship with God and everything in his, original, in his surroundings was good, meaning that it conformed with the absolute standards of God, then why was it not good, a.k.a. below the standards of God, for, for Adam to be alone? I think the, the answer to that really lies in the fact of that of uh, the context of father, fatherhood and sonship. Adam was a son of God, uh, was the original son of God. He could, uh, the father could teach him, uh, he could instruct him in the ways of things, and he could raise him up, and, and, take, and Adam could take joy in that. But as God was omniscient, uh, Adam wasn't able to reciprocate it. He wasn't able to be that father figure to God, and he wasn't able to teach him in, in that way. And I think, and therefore, because the nature of father and son is so inherent in the nature of our Trinitarian God, I think that aspect was missing. 
So when we look at things from Adam's perspective, he needed to have another human involved in order for him to pass on those experiences and enable that sort of generational learning. So when Eve was created, at that point, um, the very nature of a Trinitarian God was, was uh, shown in its full, fullest form. Uh, and one of the key aspects of this is that uh, uh, was that it, was, it established a lineage. It wasn't just that one particular relationship, but Adam's family was meant to represent the perfect nature of God. And through that, Adam and Eve would have children, and their children uh, would have children, and similarly, there, they could pass the way up, all the way up uh, back to the, the source, which was God. We were eternally made to be sons and eternally made to be, uh, to be, um, to be fathers as well. One of the things I like about the Bible in the story of Job, and obviously the book of Job is mainly about suffering, but in the part of the end, there's actually four generations. Um, and I think that's probably one thing that we do brush over sometimes as, as, uh, as uh, people living in the, in the 21st century, is that we do, are meant to have that sort of father figure, and that is meant to carry on. Certainly in my own life, I think at the age of 18, I sort of written off the idea that I needed a father at that stage. I was quite keen on pursuing my own agenda. Um, and that, I think, I probably suffered as, as a result. So there does need to be that eternal father figure and that eternal uh, development that, that needs to go on. So if we look at the context of lineage, um, I think that's particularly key in the con uh, when we look at uh, God, particularly within the Old Testament. He established himself as a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Effectively, he's interested in creating that lineage that pass on that perfect knowledge and those families to ref reflect it. The difficulty is, of course, with the nature of sin as it entered the world, uh, was that that lineage was broken. No longer could we simply look to our own earthly parents and look to society in general to find the perfect expression of God. And I think that's probably why uh, it's so powerful when we look at, the, when we look at Calvary. Jesus, who was that perfect son, uh, died for us, sent the Holy Spirit to us, and was able then to father us in, in, in that extent as well. So the point I really want to express is that we can get very familiar with the idea that God is, uh, being a father is just one aspect of God, and being a son of God is simply just one aspect of our lives. But what I, I would really want to encourage you to, to grasp is that the idea of being a son is very much wrapped up in the whole story of the gospel. It's very much a central part of who God is, and, and by definition, a central part of who we are. Which just leads us to consider that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us to be regenerated, um, to take away the lies that we've ended up believing over a number of years, uh, and to establish us again as rightful sons um, of God. Just going to take the, the interest. I was going to speak on a couple of other bits and pieces, but the interest of time, I've, I'll just want to finish with a, with a brief prayer. Through 
through the death of Jesus, and it's a very important that we remember at this time when it comes to Easter. Um, I'm just going to give a brief prayer, actually. If, if there's something that's brought to your heart, something that you believe that the Holy Spirit is convicting you with, uh, and you want to step into a, to a greater fullness, if there's any sort of independence, any sort of issues you have with your own parents, or any lies that you believe in yourself, um, you don't have to share everyone, but I just want you to put a hand on your heart, please, if, if I may, and just, I'm just going to pray this out. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done. Thank you that we are rightfully sons and daughters of the Most High King. Thank you for the cost and thank you for the price that you've been paid, that you've paid. Lord, I acknowledge my own nature. I acknowledge the lies that I've believed. Lord, Holy Spirit, please send your uh, spirit within me. Identify the lies that I've believed. Bring them to the surface and allow I allow you in to me and to my heart to, to regenerate me and allow me to step up in the, in the formal uh, stance as king. Hmm. I get a sense that there's one person in particular. Um, we were praying before, I think there's one person in particular that is feels down because they had a quite a formal relationship with their father and I think that that particular, so I, I would encourage you either speak to me or, or someone within our leadership team to, to pray that through and I just get that get that sense this is something to take forward and um, I really believe that as you open your heart and obey and allow the Holy Spirit to work within you, I believe that there will be really fundamental, fundamental change. Mm. 